0: feedback. Okay, we start. Okay, In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Um, I thought today we can continue our series on the creed, so it's kind of um, uh, a bit more boring of a series, if you will, but uh, I think it's important um, that we kind of um, focus a little bit on this, the concept of uh, the theology of the church and why it's important. So last time uh, and this is the second session. In the first session, we talked about the history of the creed, and we said that the history of the creed was that it was written in over two ecumenical councils. So the first council was the Council of, yeah, they're loud, uh, the Council of Nicaea, which was in 325, and then the second council was the Council of Constantinople in 381. And um, the first part of the creed, uh, starting from we believe in one God, God the Father, the, the Pantocrator, all the way down, was written in Nicaea, and then starting uh, to to offset the the heresy of Arius, who denied the divinity of Christ. And then the second council of Constantinople, there was a heretic named Magdonius, and he denied the divinity of the Holy Spirit, and so they wrote the second part of the the creed, which is, uh, yes, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, and proceeds down further. So those two pieces, and that's why sometimes it's called the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed. Sometimes it's called the Apostolic Creed. Um, are you going to leave? Don't leave. <laughs> Tried to embarrass her. It didn't work. Um, so, uh <laughs> but now no one else is going to leave. See, that's the key. You know, Shireen's thinking about it, but it's not going to. She knows what I'll do, but she doesn't care anyway. So. Um, so why does the the church put the creed in the middle of worship? And we talked about this, <coughs> excuse me last time as well, that we would take a, a theological statement, a creed, and put it in the middle of the eggbeya and we'd put it in the middle of the liturgy and we'd put it in the middle of Vespers, which are prayer prayer uh, services. and the 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 church believes that there should be no distinction between prayer and theology, that there's no way I can just pray. Without having a, a proper understanding of who it is I'm praying to and what it is what it is He did for me, and all of the the things that we believe, right? And I imagine that if I walked into a, uh, a, a you know a, a church of you know of, of Mormons or, or Jehovah's Witness who believe something very different from me, that as they pray, I may feel a little awkward, right? They may say something that I don't believe, um, and so the, the church puts puts these these, pr- these creeds in the middle of the prayer to unite us. And that's why the, the kind of the key creed that we say in the liturgy is the one right before we start the liturgy of the believers, right? So you know how the liturgy has a few parts. One of the first part is the offertory, then we have the liturgy of the Belie- of the, the word or the liturgy of the catechumens, And in that part, we read the epistles, we read St. Paul's epistle, the Catholic epistle, Acts, the Senexar, which is a history. We read the gospel, Abuna gives a sermon, Okay, and then that's the teaching part of the creed, of the liturgy, and then we cap it with the creed, right? And it's almost as if the church is saying before we start to pray together as a body, we're all going to be united in faith. So we say we believe in one God as one body, and then we start this liturgy of the believers where we proceed on to take communion. Okay? So the church wants us all to be united in faith as well as in spirit as well as in heart. So you can't distinguish the two, and you can't say, well, this doesn't matter, or you can't even say, I'm a theologian. I'm not much of a spiritual guy, but I'm a theologian, right? And the fathers teach us that the true theologian is the man who prays, okay? And then you can't say the opposite. You can't say, I'm just a spiritual guy. I'm not into this theology stuff, or, you know, I don't really know what the church believes. It doesn't really matter. I just, I just want to be, you know, good and, and love God. Again, that doesn't doesn't really flow, right, because you, how can we love a God we don't even understand or start to comprehend? So the, uh, we also said that why do we have a creed and that there's no way really to understand God from a creed, right? I mean, there's no way I'm going to comprehend who God is from a few paragraphs, right? In fact, all the words of the English language are not going to help me comprehend who God is, right? So what does the creed do? Well, it's not really um, a full understanding or comprehension of God. It's more like a path, right? It's more like, you know, when you go on a trail and there's a fence along the path that says, you know, if you you hop over the fence, you're going to fall down the cliff, right? And so the, the creed acts as a fence, basically saying, look, this is what keeps us on the path. It isn't the path right? The path is my life with God, and it's reveal, God reveals himself to me in my life. But the f- this fence, it just keeps me on the path, and that's what the creed does. It does just that. It keeps us along, it keeps us from going too far left or too far right in our belief. And it's really a beautiful thing, and very uncharacteristic, if you will, of, of, of the church, is that, you know, the church went through a lot of argument and debate over these creeds. You know, when Arius came, he really made a mess of things and don't think that arius was excommunicated and that was the end of arius right that you know like the icon of saint athanasius shows he's standing on arius at the council of nicaea and then we all go "Oh, arius is gone no no no. arius stuck around his followers stuck around his churches stuck around his theology stuck around in fact athanasius as a patriarch was exiled five times after the council of nicaea because of arius and his followers right so these heresies don't just go away, right? So don't think it just ended. Okay. Um, I forgot what my point was. Um, I forgot my point. Oh, okay. So um, you know this happens with age. So what we what was, what we what we're excited about is that after they went through this work and this you know, this hassle and this study and debate and argumentations and fights and excommunications, the church really was shook by these things, right? So they, they, took, they took some time and said, you know what, so that, so that future generations don't go through this, we're gonna write this down. We're gonna write down what we believe, what we, you know, and in two paragraphs, we're gonna write down what we fought about for 10 years, right, and it's a very nice thing because we don't wanna go through the same thing over and over again right? And so the church kind of laid this out so that future generations wouldn't have to fight the same battle. Yeah. And it's kind of like when you go to a new place, right? You want to move, you know, you move to whatever. You want to go to Anaheim, okay? When you show up at Anaheim, you don't have to go out and, and and make maps of Anaheim, right? Someone has already made a map of Anaheim for you, right? And it's on your phone. Okay? So you don't have to, every time you go to a new place, you don't have to discover it, right? Someone has gone through the trouble of, of, And so what you do is, you know, you go and visit Cancun, right? You don't make a map of Cancun. You rely on the work of the people who've come before you and have charted out these places. And that's really what the church does uh, for us. And idealistically, last thing I'll I'll summarize here, uh, is that the church should be continuing to provide creeds, right? There are new issues constantly being, that are constantly coming up, that are constantly being addressed. Right And the church should be alive and not rigid and frozen, and we talked a little bit about this last time that th- the church isn't uh, the word traditional doesn't mean that we just imitate the past and that we replicate what was done in the past, but rather that the church is alive, right and we see tradition and we see the church evolving and changing, whether it be language or rituals or adding things or subtracting things. you know the church does this, right? I mean wh- you know a very small example is you know in the early church if anybody wanted to get baptized the church would say sure we'll baptize you right and and the reason the church would do that is because anyone who got baptized right was su- was was subject to get killed <laughs> right so if they caught you they're going to kill you right as a christian and right? you're 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 outlawed by state religion okay kind of like the the communists did you know during the the, the you know after 1917 right so Anyone who shows up to church says, I want to be a Christian, everyone's like, All right, you know, feel free. Okay. And then what happened after the the Edict of Milan in, in, in three thirteen is that the churches, you know, once once Christianity was no longer outlawed outlawed, the churches started getting much bigger, right? People started switching, right? They found out that Constantine was rumored to be a Christian. So everyone said, You know what, I want to be a Christian. Now the church had to pivot right? Because now there's this inflow of people, pagans and all kinds of people who are saying, I want to be Christian. So the church said, slow down. We're going to institute a new rule. You have to be, you know, have to learn for three years before we can baptize you, right? And they instituted this, this, this waiting period where, you were, you would this, uh, where you'd be trained, and they, they invented this word called a catechumen, and then you would be a catechumen for three years. Now, this wasn't part of the early church, okay? So does that mean it's wrong? No, right? It's the church reacting and evolving to a situation, right? And so the church has to continually do that. It's always reacting and evolving. And it can't just imitate the past, right? We see this when we come to the United States. First thing the church does, well, not the first thing, after 30 years, we, we switch to English, right? Why we're reacting to a different, uh, a different place, a different language, right? We see that when the church goes to Africa, you know, they, they, they add drums and they add songs that are native to the, the, to the people of Africa. This is them pivoting. Okay. Um, and then finally, the, the spirituality of the, of the, of the words of the, of the creed and of all theological statements, hopefully aren't, are not something that become a part of us, right? That we, we feel, not so much we just say because they're on the screen. Okay, so that was kind of a summary of last time. <laughs> um, so let's start with the, the beginning of the creed. Um, we believe in one God. Uh, and, and so the first thing that the church wants to do is it's, it kind of wants to certify that we believe in the God of the Old Testament, right? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? And the reason this is important is because there are many heresies out there trying to get, you know, all these different, if you will, gods, right? There were heresies that said there was a God of the Old Testament, the mean God, the, the bad God, right? And then we have Jesus, which is the God of the New Testament, right? And he's the nice God and the sweet God, right? And he undid the, what the God of the First Testament uh, did, of the Old Testament, right? Um, and, and the God of the Old Testament was his vengeful God, right? And the God of the New Testament is a loving God. So the church wants to say, no, we believe in one God. It's the same God of the New Testament and the Old Testament. And, um, and, and, and sometimes there are uh, beliefs that the different gods may have different traits. So you know, the god of the New Test the Old Testament was the ruthless characteristics of God, and then the loving characteristics of God are in the New Testament, right? And so some there's a split uh, in the in the split personality, if you will, between the two periods, right? Or sometimes people will say, you know, there is one God, but He appeared as the Father in the Old Testament. He appeared as the Son during the incarnation, and He appeared as the Holy Spirit during the, the period that we're in now, right? And the church wanted to reject that, too. It said, no, there's one God, but we have three persons, and they are not three gods, and it's not a single person, right? It's, it's three persons in one God, and we can talk further about the Trinity in a bit. So uh, further, we then say God is holy. Okay, holy is a characteristic of God. And, and what does the word holy mean? So if we break down the word holy into its Greek root, What's the word "holy" in Greek? Who knows? Agios. Very good, right? So, uh, when, when you're when you're a something in, in Greek, you put an a in front of a word. It means not that, right? And the word geios, g-i-o-s. What does that mean in Greek? Earth, right? So, kind of like uh, geology, right? Is the study of earth. Geography is the mapping of earth, right? So, geos, geo, is the same root. So, agios means not earthly. That's literally the characteristic of God. He's holy, right? And he's not of the earth, which means that it's very difficult for someone of the earth, please no laughing, it's very difficult for someone of the earth to comprehend someone who's not from, who's not earthly, right? Who's heavenly by nature, okay? And this is a trap we fall into a lot of people, um, especially when we start to study theology, right? We start to study theology, we start to say things like, well, let me explain the Trinity to you which of course should immediately strike you as a very ludicrous thing to say, right? Because you're not going to explain the Trinity. Let me explain to you who Christ was and, and how the, the human nature and the divine nature interacted. I'll throw some Greek words at you and then you're going to be very impressed with what I know, right? And if we fall into this trap that I can comprehend God, right, it's, it's then you've made, you've made God, unfortunately, into an idol, right? Now it's idolatry. Now. You're worshiping a God who you created. Right? Just like when you when you carve an idol out and then you bow before the idol and you say, You made me. Right? We do that with God. We 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 put him in a box, we make him look the way we want, we make him think the way we want, and then we say, Now I understand God. Right? So we have to know that as soon as I get God, I comprehend him, then I I'm off. Then I don't, right? And I should always be in a stance of, you know, an ant, you know, looking up at a human being, right? Infinitely more complicated than the ant, right? And at any point in time, if if the ant, you know, looks down and looks up at me and says, yeah, I I know what Archie's thinking, you know, and then starts explaining it to the other ants and say, let me tell you what he's thinking about. This is, you know, this is why he made that face. And, you know, this is what's in his heart. And this is how Archie's reacting. You look at the ant, you go, I'm just going to smash you, right? I mean, it's an ant, right? There's no way the ant gets me, okay? And I'm a limited being, okay? So imagine when we say things like, let me tell you why God gave us COVID. Like, really? You're going to tell me what God's thinking? Let me tell you why this happened. Let me tell you why God did this to you. Really? Are you about to are you about to say that out loud? And... And look me in the eye and say, I, "I know why God did this." Right? It's it's no different than an ant looking at me and telling me, you know, telling me, oh, I I understand why you're, why you're doing that." No, you don't. You're an ant. Right? So, our comprehension of God isn't is never a complete comprehension. Right? We should always be standing in awe, and just uh, as as one of the saints say, like a lisping child standing before the principle. Right? It's just it's it, you're nothing right? And, and you have this, this this feeling. So it's very difficult to find anything in the world that resembles God. And that's why a lot of times we, we use these analogies to try to explain who God is using earth. And we can do that because God made the earth, right? So we can look at, at the creation, we can see God's fingerprints, right? So we can see bits and pieces of who God is and how he approaches things and how systematic he is and how he created the body and how the body, you know, even different systems in the body are in, are extremely consistent and different animals in the world are extremely consistent in the way they approach things. But still, that's a fingerprint, right? It's a fingerprint. So I, I, I can get glimpses of who God is, but I, I don't get him, right? It's More than you can get me from my fingerprint, right? You can't look at my fingerprint and say, yeah, I, I think I get who, who Mark is, right? It's my fingerprint. Um, and then further when we say we believe in one god um it means that nothing in this world should be our god and this is a very spiritual meaning because can we have other gods sure right with a small g we have lots of other gods right money is another god power is another god success promotions uh something some some even a project at church all of these can be gods right these are gods that we worship, right? And so the church is trying to say we believe in one God, which means you can have, be aware not to have other gods, right? Not to let some other god get ahead of your god, right? Do people do that? Do people let gods with a small g get ahead of God? Yeah, all the time, right? Every minute, okay? How many times has my ego let that god, the god of my ego, got ahead of the real god? or the God of money, or the God of power, or the God of, I mean, how many times, how many things have I missed a church because I needed to work and I wanted to do something and I wanted to do some other project and I wanted to get ahead and I wanted, right? Or what about my kids? Could my kids become gods? Sure. Could they become gods ahead of God? Sure, right? Do people live for their kids? Yeah, right? And, and you can even, you know, are, are there dads out there who would say, I would steal for my family? wouldn't, but there are other fathers who would, right? Who who would, who say things like that? I would steal for my family. So just a, a simple sense like that, which seems to be pious, indicates what? Who's who's number one? Family's number one, right? It's not God, okay? So so we have to be careful. There's lots of gods out there. Can a husband or a wife be God? Yeah. Can a boyfriend girlfriend be a God? Sure. Kids can be God. Parents can be gods. Whatever the case may be. Um, and and so this lack of ability to comprehend who God is is why we speak about God usually in the negative right So it's very difficult to say what God is right There are a few words that we have we can say God is love right but it's hard to say what he is what he is right That's why we use words like agios what is what what is he? Well we know what he's not right And that's what the church often does right So in the Gregorian liturgy you guys hear it every, Aid, right? Of course, you're all tired and you want to eat meat, but during the Gregorian liturgy, there's this beautiful part that says, O one and only true God, the lover of mankind, the ineffable, which means cannot be spoken about, the unseen, the uncontainable, without beginning, the eternal, timeless, limitless, unsearchable, unchanging. Right? So the church is saying this is what he's not, right? Rather than tell you what he is, I can tell you what he's not. He's not limited by time. He's not limited by space. He's not all of the, these characteristics. So then the question is, what is he, then? And the answer is, we really don't know. Right? God is given to us through revelation. It's not through human invention. Right? I mean, people you know people ask me you know they'll say well, you know well, I mean understand why the church has to have a Trinity? You know why make it complicated like that? Why did you know? And it's you look at him, you're like well, I didn't make this up, like I didn't pick a trinity, right? If I was going to make up a religion, who would pick trinity? It's just not a good idea, right? I would pick something simple and, you know, and usually involves you giving me money, right? And, and that's how I would create a religion, right? So th- the God that we have is revealed to us. It's, it's through revelation, right? We see he gives us glimpses of what and who he is, Right, and every once in a while, you know, like Moses says, you know, well, who shall I say you are? He says, I am who I am. It's like none of your business, right? That's what I would have said, but I'm rude. And so <laughs> hey, aunt, <laughs> you know, st- stand down, right? Um, and so and going back, right, if we did know and we could comprehend, then he would be just an idol, right? And so w- we, we we have to stand in awe of God all the time. And once we allow Ourselves to make God into this little small thing, right? God is the God who really likes this hymn, or He really likes this thing, and He really likes me to do that. And then, then, then we're, we've limited who God is. Okay. Um, then we also say that God is the Father, our Father. And for Jews, obviously, saying that God is uh, their Father was blasphemy and heresy, right? In fact, this is ultimately what they crucified Christ over, right? He, he, he made himself, he called God his father, making himself equal with God, right? Uh, and, and ultimately uh, punishable by death. Another characteristic and we say in the Creed is the Pantokrator, right? What does the word Pantokrator mean? Does anyone know? And why do we insist on saying that word in Greek, huh? Creator of everything, okay, good. Lover of mankind, close. Hmm? In control of everything. See, Tant translated it from Arabic, so she got the good translation. Right? So sometimes this word is translated the Almighty. That's a bad translation, right? In Arabic, it's perfect. Dalbutil right? Controller of everything, right? So let's go back to the Greek. Pan tukrator, Pan means all. Tokrator is the same word that we have that comes from, uh, like democracy, like demo, demo. Democracy, right? So rule of the people or theocracy, rule of God or aristocracy, right? Soocracy is the rule of, the governing, the controlling, right? So we say pantocrator means all controlling or all governing or all ruling, okay? So, and that's why we keep this word in Greek, right? Every once in a while, you just, you can't get a good word unless you say dabatul and you put two, or, you know, two words into it. You can't get a good English word, so they just keep it. They just kept it as Pantocrator, right? Same with Theotokos, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes translated as Mother of God. That's not a good translation. Birthgiver of God loses some of its meaning, so they just say, okay, never mind, Theotokos, right? In Arabic, it's, again, a bunch of words, right, so they, they, they stick a bunch of words to translate it. Okay, so, um, so, once I understand God as Pantocrator, right, the theology of that, spiritually, this now has an implication to me, right? Because if I really believe what I'm saying and I really believe that God is in control and God does control and rule the universe, that has an implication on my faith, right? I, I can't act the same knowing there's a God who controls, right? I can't be as afraid knowing there is a God who is in control, right? So this this knowledge, this, this uh Theological intellectual knowledge then has to manifest itself in my spiritual life, right? So when something happens in my life and we see a lot of fear, right? And, you know, again, COVID is, is, is this prime example of all the fear that came out in the world, right? You have to ask yourself, where is God, right? Is he the Pantocrator or not when there's a virus out, right? He can't handle the virus, right? And, and people let go Right, of this of this notion that God is the pantocrator right and so you see this in the spiritual life of people who are strong in their faith they kind of don't fear anything right they don't fear situations they don't fear people they don't fear rulers they don't fear you know emperors they don't fear anybody right and and you know the the the, the, the way we look at Peter someone like Peter who you know was so cowardly before the the, the, the crucifixion that you know, a servant girl made him cower. She's like, hey, you sound like those guys. She's a servant girl. And he's like, no, no, no. And he swore and cursed he didn't know him. And now, then you look at Peter afterwards, and he's got like all the guts in the world, right? He fears no one, no anything. All the martyrs, all the apostles end up as martyrs, right? After being cowards in the beginning, they all end up as martyrs, right? Imagine you know, imagine they say, look, if you don't stop speaking, we're going to kill you, and the apostle just say, kill me. I mean, if someone, like, took a knife and, like, wanted to, like, cut my hand here, I'd be, ow, ow, okay, okay, I'll stop, right? I mean, it, just, it would take, like, one little nick, you know, before I give up <laughs> and say, All right, I'll be Hindu, right? So, um, <laughs> and, and yet, <laughs> you see the apostles, right, I mean, being, you know, persecuted and suffering, right? So, wh- wh- where's the fear? Well, Pantokrator, God is in control, right? I have nothing to fear. And the, the, now we have to put the two together, right? Because I can say he's my father, and I can say my father loves me, right? And the father, characteristic of the father, of course, is love. But then when I add to it pantokrator, it gives it a different meaning, right? Because my father can love me, but he can be impotent. Right? I could be in a situation, I could, for example, I get arrested, okay? And yeah, my father loves me, but he can't get me out of jail because he has no power, right? So when I put the two together and I put that my father loves me and he is the Pantokrator, now this gives me a reassurance, right? Much like, you know, what somewhat Abuno was saying today, even when something bad befalls me, there's gratitude. Why? Because I have an assurance. God is the Pantocrator, and He loves me. I put those two together. There's very little to fear at that point. There's very little left uh, that 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 could worry me. Oh my goodness, I have a lot left. Um, because we should also note, <laughs> I'll stop soon at some point. So let me know when you want me. To just go like this, enamel something. Um, So um, we should also note that having a father with great power, it comes with great responsibility. <laughs> What's that? Uh, have a father with great power comes comes great responsibility. First of all, it's usually Batman, but that's okay. So <laughs> now it's on. Maggie, hang on, I'm chewing. Okay, so um, I forgot where that's from. Let's try this, but it's a it's a very common saying, right? <coughs> Thank you. So, w- with 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 the uh, with uh, with the knowledge that I'm the Son of God, and comes this that my Father who loves me is also the Pontifactor. There is a temptation to say, well, my God, my God loves me and my God is in control. So I can be flippant, right? And we saw some people like this during COVID. COVID was great for all kinds of spiritual ills, right? There's some people who said, I'm not wearing a mask. God is in control. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna go around people and, and sneeze on them and lick them, right? Because God is in control, right? And, and, and there are some people who actually said this to me, you know, I'd walk up to a place, don't sh- you know, they wouldn't be wearing a mask. And, you know, I'm like, oh, you're not going to wear a mask. This is when the early days of COVID, and they're like, I believe in God. You're like, okay, so are you going to wear a mask or not, right? So um, with with this with this power, with knowing that this is my father and he loves me, comes responsibility. Also, the responsibility to honor my father, right? Imagine your dad is the mayor, right? And and you know, or your dad is Abuna, for example, right? So you want to honor your dad, right? You want to act in a way that's commensurate and respectful with who your father is, right? So just saying he's my father isn't enough for me to be flippant. Imagine, you know, the, 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 the son of the mayor, right, who just walks around and gets speeding tickets and says, hey, my dad's the mayor, you can't give me a ticket to the cop, right? And being flippant with his power, Right, or the son of the governor or the son of the president. Right? So as the children of God, we have to respect and, and act in a way that brings dignity to our Father, right? so that when people see us, they see the light of the world and that they glorify our Father. They, you know, as, as we say, they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So this is the balance. right? I live without fear because I know my Father loves me and is in control, but yet I do everything in my power to bring dignity to his name. Right? And I live in a way, and this is the, the balance, right? Because I can easily go into, well, God forgave me and God loves me, so you know what? I'm going to let it all go. No, but I still have to act in a way that brings dignity, and I have to act in a way that's responsible. Okay. All right. So uh, I'll read the. I usually stop when the kids start screaming, and that's happening. Um, so I'll read the, the rest of it. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the part that we then say, in response to Arius, right, the heresy of Arius, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all ages, light of light, true God of true God, begotten not created, of one essence with the Father. Um, and, then, and by the way, this one essence is a better translation, sometimes you'll see of, uh, of the same essence, and so one essence I think is better. By whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. So this next part uh, focuses on the divinity and the humanity of Christ. So I want to talk a little bit about the creation. What does it mean that he created the world? I think Sunday school is, it's end. I should just end. My wife has given me the... Right, you know, in the old days, when you get those that that hook that comes out and pulls the guy off stage, like the Gong Show. Yeah, exactly. Does anybody have any questions on anything? Yes. Yeah. So the, the question is: Is uh, the Orthodox version of the creed the same as the Catholic version of the creed? Um, the only part that I know of, and I'll let you guys correct me if I'm wrong, is there's a part. Um, in the Holy, the part on the Holy Spirit when he says, uh, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. So in the, in the Orthodox Creed, we say who proceeds from the Father. And in the Catholic Creed, they added a part called the filioque, which is who proceeds from the Father and the Son. And so that, that part was added, I want to say in the 11th century, to the Creed. And it was actually added to uh, refute Arianism, which was still happening at the time, but the Orthodox Church really pushed back on that. A, it's not biblical because the Gospel of John very clearly says who proceeds from the Father. So it's not our place to add something to the Bible. It's also not our place to, to contradict the creed from an earlier council uh, and kind of override an earlier council without something really significant uh, to cause that, that override. But as far as anything else, I don't think there's any other difference. I don't know anything. uh, Peter, is there any other differences? No. Okay. So yeah, you know, I mean, maybe the translation different or something, but nothing serious. Nothing theological. Um, Okay. So any other questions? I was going to end. I forgot. All right. Now the kids calm down, but we'll end anyway. Okay. Glory be to God forever, Amen. Uh, Let's stand up and pray. Thanks.